1: Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And
0: a hey to our podcast, Scary, scary Stories to, to Tell on the, the pod. pod.
1: It is a podcast about scary stories, a series by Alvin Schwartz, illustrated by Stephen Gammel. It is also a podcast about urban legends. It is also a podcast about spooky things you tell us happen to you and spooky things that happen to us. It is the embodiment of being eight years old and in Blockbuster or a local VHS rental place going to the horror aisle, and getting your ass spooked the hell off. The horror aisle. The horror aisle.
0: Yeah, this is you looking at uh, the cover of Silence of the Lambs being like, oh, I don't want a moth on my mouth. <laughs> but I do.
1: I do. Yeah. I want to give it a try.
0: Oh, man. And maybe this time your mom will let you buy Twizzlers.
1: Ah. Uh, no. I, I, you just want those $7 Twizzlers so bad.
0: I want $7 for three Twizzlers this is the <laughs> only thing I want. <laughs> I don't want the big kind.
1: (laughs) Anna, what a weekend it was. It was a weekend, honey. It was a weekend. Uh, Gentle listeners, I'm sure you've already heard of this, but uh, Saturday Night Live did a special at-home episode, which was such a breath of fresh air. Anna, good-ass job on that.
0: Thank you. It was a really inspirational sort of sit on your ass moment of <laughs> bravery. <laughs> um, yeah, ever, it was inspiring to see everyone adjusting to do their jobs from home. And you know what? This show has been on since 1948, and uh, we don't have Slack, so it's not an office that adjusts easily to. Famously, uh, the first host,
1: the first host was Rin Tin Tin. <laughs> yeah. Really went over well.
0: Betty Grable did a good like comeback. It was (laughs) was very exciting. Yeah, she did that one. What if? What if the phone were one part? Sort of (laughs) a. But yeah, it was also just a side note. All of the editors who worked on that show are heroes from hell. Just amazing people. Who edited, not all these people, if you know anything about editing, which I certainly don't, uh, they did, not a lot of them had Avid's in their houses, so they were editing network television on, Good like, Macs and stuff. So, I, I, uh, I, just kings I and princes.
1: It's so foreign to me, the idea of needing a superpower computer for work, you know? Yeah,
0: I'm like, I got iMovie on my phone so I can... <laughs> Trim out the end of my dog videos where she drags her ass on the carpet.
1: (laughs) Do you need to see my mind (laughs) sweeper?
0: Would that help? <laughs> um, just thanks to everyone who did. And on all the crew, it was really cool. If you go on the SNL Instagram, I think it'll still be there. Um, yeah. All of the crew posted videos and pictures of themselves doing their jobs at home with their pets and babies. Um,
1: it was very sweet. Oh, that is really sweet. Yes, it's
0: very good. But you know what? It's over. And today's a Monday.
1: Today is a Monday.
0: And it's time to get spooked.
1: Mm-hmm, sure. Today,
0: is. Uh, we read a story from the gospel according to. Uh, alvin schwartz and steven gamel
1: mm-hmm. scary
0: stories to tell on the on the pod is not the name <laughs> of the book
1: our podcast um, was a series of books
0: yes um scary stories to Tell in the dark which you can buy on uh the apple bookstore you can buy it from your local bookstore um or you can just scrawl it in your bathroom mirror in the steam um i recommend Divine actually it. buying the book
1: Yeah, divine it through a Ouija board and then rewrite it yourself. No. It's
0: the easiest way to do it. No. Um, (laughs) But this story, I've been saving it uh, for a rainy day, which it is a little bit today. Um, This is one of my favorite stories. It's one of the stories that I would retell to my campers when I was a camp counselor. Andrew, you and I have talked about how we passed off scary stories as real Oh, yes. Um, it doesn't count as a children. lie
1: if you're in front of a fire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fire is sort of the great equalizer there. <laughs> Truly one of my favorite stories. I've been saving it for a rainy day, but you know what? We don't. We, if anything, we've learned that you got to do things now because tomorrow, exactly. tomorrow isn't promised.
1: Life is a rainy day. Yes. And I will say just before we get started, um, at some point, because I cannot properly time things at all, Um, A buzzer might go off because I put a a raspberry cobbler in the (laughs) oven at a bad time (laughs) and I'm very sorry. Um, But it's good. You know what?
0: Once if we hear the buzz we'll all say hooray and give ourselves a little hug.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Perfect.
0: Okay. Okay. The story is called this. Ooh, this one's perfect. John Nicholas raised horses. First name last name we're in.
1: Also two first names.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is a very scary story. Scary story. He had many horses of all kinds. Bragg.
1: Mm. I want that. I don't think of there as being different kinds of horses, which I know is my own ignorance. <laughs> but for me, I'm just like brown horse, white horse, horse with big leg. A horse with a mohawk.
0: <laughs> Silly horse. Well, John Nicholas had all of them. He had many yep. horses of all kinds but his favorite was Bess, a gentle old mare he had grown up with. Hmm. Okay, I was picturing John Nicholas being like 50, but I don't think horses get that
1: old. I know. They did back then, just like chicken tasted better.
0: (laughs) Chicken was horses. (laughs) He no longer rode her, for all she could do now was just amble along. Wow, tag yourself. (laughs) Bess spent her days grazing peacefully in a meadow. That summer, for the fun of it, John Nicholas went into a fortune teller's booth. Ooh, I'm picturing that this is like a circus that came to town.
1: Yeah, I, I guess they must've gone through my, my great grandfather was in a circus. What? Um, did you not know this? Andrew, how is this just coming up now? Super, uh, super brief. Uh, he had a lot of siblings. His parents died of typhoid and um, the state was just going to send him off to some relative he didn't know. <laughs> and so he ran away with the circus instead and he was in the circus till he turned 18 and then I believe they gave him money to start his own business and he opened a series of pie shops um in the Midwest and became a millionaire and then lost it all in the Great Depression <laughs> <laughs> oh my God yeah what a roller coaster that's pretty typical um, but I guess I was about to say like did did circuses stop at like little one-horse towns
0: many and- horse towns
1: yeah well this clearly is a many horse town so of course the circus would stop there wow i i
0: it's also yeah. like i'm picturing now like just the um disparity between this like horseman and like mm. like having a moment of being like ah, oh, what the hell i'll go into this like weird thing <laughs> as a kid the idea of a guy who owned horses going into a fortune teller's booth made perfect sense to me but yeah. i know no, i still get i it. now see the disparity um the fortune teller <laughs> studied her cards I see danger ahead for you, she said. Your favorite horse will cause you to die. I don't know when, but it will happen. It is in the cards. John Nicholas laughed, much like Andrew's doing right now. The idea that Bess would cause his death was nonsense. She was as dangerous as a bowl of soup. I remember... What
1: a weird simile. (laughs) You know... Because... As you and I both know, Anna, a bowl of soup was very dangerous to me.
0: It was a big pot of soup. Almost. You almost lost your leg. Yeah, he's going to learn. He's going to learn. Although uh, soup does have a lot of sodium in it. So I can see Um, maybe (laughs) best is dangerous. I also remember reading that line as a kid and being like, that's actually fucking hilarious. Like that is a (laughs) that is a mad funny joke. Props.
1: (laughs) Good work, Alvin. Good work.
0: Yet from then on, whenever he saw her. He remembered the fortune teller's warning mm. that fall a farmer. Hey, mm, hey, a farmer from the other end of the County asked if he could have Bess. He had been thinking that the old horse would be perfect for his children to ride. I also, I don't like the idea of someone looking at my horse and picturing their kids on it. Like don't do that.
1: Yeah, no, I don't like that. Either. Don't
0: look at my horse and uh, imagine plans. That's a good idea. John said, it would be fun for them and it would give Bess something to do. Hmm. <laughs> I don't need your pity (laughs) like I have something to do I'm ambling along let me I'm eating grass yeah let me retire go off I mean go away (laughs) don't go off Uh, (laughs) go on okay later John told his wife about it now Bess won't kill me he said and they both laughed which I guess counts as her having a line
1: yeah there's so much laughter in this story I
0: know um and just to uh, i always do this where i pick a story where the animal dies and i forgot an animal died It's fine (laughs) i mean i knew the animal died but i forget that we get told how the animal died and it it bothers me and i just want to apologize it bums me out yeah I like to think of animals dying as sort of like the Loch Ness Monster, where it's like, if you believe in it, that's fine. Just don't tell me about it.
1: Right. It's kind of like they get on a boat and go to the Undying Lands, like at the end of The Lord of the Rings. Yes, 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 yes. Or if they die,
0: it's just that they, like, blip out of existence like they're raptured. Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, I like that. Yeah, I do too.
0: (laughs) A few months later, he saw the farmer who had taken her. How's my best? He asked. Oh, she was fine. Is it the fortune teller? I can do one voice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) These are all Nicole Byer characters. I know.
0: (laughs) We wish.
1: I I like
0: a version. We're not casting it yet, but I like a version of the story where she is every character, just in slightly Uh, different bad. What um, a dream! Just different bad facial wigs and stuff. (laughs) Um. Oh, she was fine for a while. The farmer said the children loved her. Then she got sick. I had to shoot her to put her out of her misery. Pooh, It was a shame. Despite himself, John breathed a sigh of relief. He had often wondered if, in some crazy way, through some strange accident, Bess would kill him. Now, of course, she could not. I'd like to see her, said John, just to say goodbye. She was my favorite. The bones of the dead horse were in a far corner of the man's farm. You know, the horsebone corner.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it over by the horsebone corner. Kids, you can play, but just could you not mess up the horsebone corner? It's by the
0: orange peel rock and the eggshell divot. <laughs> Put things in the garbage, you weirdo. Dig a hole. Yeah. Um, okay. John kneeled. Sorry. John kneeled down and patted Bess's sun-bleached skull. Just then, a rattlesnake, which had made its home inside the skull, sank its fangs into John Nicholas's arm and killed him. The oh. end.
1: Wow. wow.
0: That could happen.
1: That could happen. It just did it for us. And then
0: the illustration for this is I'm gonna go ahead and say the best illustration in the whole series. Yeah,
1: this one's this one is a great tattoo. If you're looking to Ooh. get a tattoo of these illustrations, yes. really good.
0: This would be a good like a big if you're a man with like big calves, like big wide kitchen calves. <laughs> Ham hocks. Ham hocks would be good for that. It'd be good if you're like a, a goth girl for a full back piece. It's just someone <laughs> needs to have this tattooed. I'm going to do us a favor. I'm going to bully our listeners into someone getting this on their body somewhere. Um, (laughs) It's a skeleton of a horse, but it's like full on Stephen Gamble being himself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a long sort of bird like skull in the middle um, and it's going out to the side and it's just the top jaw. The bottom jaw is is absent. He's not here. He stayed home, Mm -hmm. Um, which we should all be doing. Um, and then there's a spine that sort of comes down and out of the skull. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's just like a mess of a little bit of ribs and then it takes off to the side. It's like, it sort of looks like it has wings. I guess it's supposed to be its back,
1: but yeah, I get distinct pterodactyl vibes. Well, from
0: yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. it's got four and three and a half, four legs sort of coming down all on one side It looks like it's shoulders and then out of one side, instead of arm, it's four legs that are just like white, jagged Mm. lines that sort of look like lightning. And then out to the left going pretty much parallel or um, perpendicular to the ground is another spine with like ribs coming up out of one side. Yeah, the ribs are like trees. And dear listener, covered the whole thing is just dripping with Stephen Gamble roots, Stephen Gamble drips. Stephen Gamel mm-hmm. cobwebs and it's sort of shot through with that Stephen Gamel like overexposed cloud cover and then the top third of it is like black ink yes um, with drips coming down out of that and then behind the horse bones there is like a little shadow and then most of it is just like light cloud looking things. And then there's like an a shadow skull in the back that could either be another shadow skull or like the moon or sun or something. It's very eerie.
1: Yeah, this is a really... And that's a great description of the illustration. Thank you. It, I definitely get... <laughs> The the disparity and repetition of certain bones and the lack of other bones <laughs> kind of reminds me of, a, a, like, when you would play Mortal Kombat and at the end your person would explode and there would be, like, eight rib cages <laughs> and, like, no skull. And I'd be like, what happened? What? When,
0: uh, is that what it is to be in shape? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You
1: just grow muscles, are ribs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No wonder Bess was sick. I mean, look, she don't have no, she don't have hooves. She don't have hooves. Her hooves are all Uh, gone.
1: Anna, we've talked a lot in this podcast because of the high percentage of horse related stories about like horses being scary. They have people teeth. They can't throw up. Um, (laughs) What about this story scares you? And why was it like the story you would often pick to tell your campers?
0: I think I would tell them that I liked the irony a lot, big into irony. Mm. I like the, the setup and payoff of like, when you think I also, this is something I like in current like TV and movies and stories in general about like just the unpredictability of certain things Mm -hmm. where like when you watch something that is poorly done, you're like, Oh, I know it'll happen. Uh, she's just going to, quit her job there and then start doing a green architecture on the inn that she bought in New Zealand, which is (laughs) a movie that I purchased and watched, uh, or sorry, I watched it through Netflix called, um, in falling in love with two N's. It's great. Um, but it's like where you can sort of see like, Oh, that's how the horse will kill him. There was none of that in this. It was so surprising. Um, and I think that's why I would tell my campers about it. Um,
1: yeah it's uh, there's something very creepy about this one to me because he doesn't get cursed no you know there's no there's no um physical embodiment of like a malicious entity it's just it's kind of like uh the one about death meeting the kid in town an appointment with death, yes, where it's just sort of like no one's at fault it, it's just this fortune teller tapped into what was in store for this guy and fate is very scary.
0: It fate is very scary. Yeah, the it, it, you're so right to pick up the appointment. It's like people trying to mm. outsmart fate. Can't happen. Yeah. Also it reminds me of Addie Fitch. Um yes. What was that one called? The Witch? Such things Such happen. Such things happen. That's right. Thank you. Um yeah, where it's like, oh, I'm too smart to believe that thing, but here I am believing that thing. Yeah.
1: Um, I know. As soon as he as soon as he gave in to the inevitability of it and then was like, I'm going to get rid of it. He kind of sealed his fate.
0: Yeah. Well, then, you know what? I guess it has to do with. um, Do you believe uh, fortune tellers? Do you think Andrew, let me ask you this. If do you think there was a way for him to do you think there was anything he could have done to not be killed by Bess? Or do you think like do you think his folly of
1: going to pet her skull? He doesn't do anything wrong. I mean, I think there might maybe there's a bit of hubris in the fact that he and his wife laughed. Yeah. Um, about it being so silly. Uh but I I I'm I'm hesitant to say like he did anything wrong because he had like the normal human response, which is like, I care about this thing. I'm gonna go pay my respects to it. Like a, a different version of the story would be like he didn't go visit the horse. And that's why he's dead is that like he was a jerk to the horse. Yeah. But instead he kind of did the right thing. Yeah. It's scary.
0: It is scary. Um, Yeah. I think, I think in this one, unlike Addie, and unlike such things happen, there was like a prescription and such things happen and then he followed it. And that's why he's alive. Whereas in this one, I don't think there's anything. I think it's more like the appointment where like there was nothing John Nicholas could have done to survive. Like your horse is going to kill you. Um
1: have you ever gotten your fortune told Anna?
0: I have. I I had it told in Venice on the Ides of March. I was there with my friend Elizabeth Gray.
1: <gasps> wow, what a chic situation to get your fortune Very told.
0: Very chic. I just had my wallet stolen recently. Um we almost got <laughs> kidnapped and um <laughs> taken basically and this is this is oh, the story right. when I I remember the story. Yeah, this yes. was like I guess the day Oh, I'm sorry. This was in Rome. Yeah, this was a few days before I uh, almost stabbed a man, which is a story for another time. Um, But uh, yeah, this this woman, she read our palms. We just found this woman sort of like sitting next to a dumpster with like two folding chairs. Um, And she read my friend's palm and told Elizabeth that she would have a wonderful life with three great loves um, and just beautiful, beautiful success and fortune and, and just happiness. And then she read my palm and said that I would have a medium life And that I would sleep with a lot of people and live to be 130, but never get married. (laughs) Wild because my my friend Dom Manzalillo was there for a family wedding and he was the one translating for us. So it was really cool to have (laughs) someone you knew from like improv class being like, yeah, you're going to fuck a lot of people
1: (laughs) and never get married. Oh, my God. Just the oldest hoe. Well, we'll clearly... (laughs) The oldest hoe medium ho. a hundred and thirty <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I got mine. I got mine taken once. I was very weirdly at Rachel Chavkin's birthday party. Oh, she! Annie, Annie Tip told me very she's chic. an amazing theater director. Uh, yeah, Rachel is the best. She directed Hades Town, and um, she was the TA for the directing class that Anne and I took in college.
0: Yes, she's genius.
1: And our friend Annie took me to her birthday party and it was such a kind of a, it, it feels very not Rachel to me to have a fortune teller at her birthday but she did and um, first what happened is our our friend, our friend Ryan Weir got her fortune told and the fortune teller just like asked her out. the fortune teller no. was like okay uh, so uh, like uh, what's your sexuality? Uh, I'm are you also attracted to women? And she was like, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, And then it gradually <laughs> got intense. Um, oh, and then poor Ryan. I went.
0: <laughs> That's what she gets for being like once in a generation beautiful.
1: It's her damn fault. <laughs> and she was so patient as this person, like as this fortune. Anyway um then i went up and the fortune teller said you're very good at math and i was like "Mm, (laughs) no it's like i see that you're very good at math it just comes to you you um everything everything boils down to numbers and like graphs and those things make sense to you and i was like oh okay none of this is real. (laughs) (laughs) truly i don't understand how numbers work at at all Um, it's so funny
0: because i think like the the sort of style of fortune telling now and like psychics and that kind of thing is like more in the vein of inspirational like i i got a little bit into tarot card reading which is just like an occupational hazard of being a sober woman in Brooklyn. Like you're going to get a, a tarot card deck is going to make its way into your house, whether you like it or not, um, like goes hand in hand with like buying candles and like nutritional yeast. Like it's just going to show up in your house one day. If you have one yep. plant, you've got a couple tarot cards somewhere. Um, but yeah, it, it, like it's sort of, More as my friend Caitlin Steitzer, who's this amazing um, social worker and therapist. uh, She says like this, she's into tarot and she was like, yeah, this is just like, it's just information and it's like, you can use it as inspiration if you want to. And if it doesn't make sense, you can ignore it. Um, Yeah. But, and that's like the modern way of doing things. But I, I miss sort of the old fashioned fortune telling of like, avoid Tuesdays.
1: (laughs) You're going to get killed by the color green. Exactly. I mean, yeah, the more you learn about tarot, I had to learn how to do it for this uh, very cool, bizarre, immersive show I did called The Universe is a Small Hat. You've, it's just amazing. Whoa, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cesar Alvarez, uh, who's an amazing musical theater artist, they wrote this show that was basically about like a spaceship leaving Earth to start a new society and people kind of figure out what their lot in life is. And so we all had to learn... Like, because I guess Sotero's origins are not mystical. It was the first form of, like, um, uh, self-analysis. Whoa. I think invented by maybe the first um, agnostic philosopher in semi-contemporary times. I, I don't know all the details oh, cool. of this. I, so sorry.
0: it was more like a Rorschach kind of thing?
1: So, yeah. So the way it was explained to us, which is really interesting, is you you put down four cards in, like, a diamond And you say what each of the cards symbolizes and where it is in the diamond. And then you ask someone, like, what what does, like, birth mean to you now? Like, what's going – like, when I say the word birth, like, how does that apply to your life? Mm -hmm. And it just is a way for people to talk about themselves. And it was really funny doing it to people because inevitably in the beginning, everyone is kind of, like, laughing about it. Like, birth, I hope not. Like, ha, ha, ha. And then by the last card, people would be like – I guess darkness isn't a bad thing for me. Like <laughs> sometimes I need darkness to reset and I have migraines and I keep thinking of darkness as being like something that's trying to hurt me, but maybe like that's where I thrive.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> it was cool. Heaven bless. Yeah. Heaven bless. I, I learned uh, just a three card uh, for past, present and future. And the person would ask a an open-ended question um, or like, hmm. what do I need to know about work? Or like, should I be focusing on family more or whatever? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I would just Google what each card meant and like find different websites that would explain it, which like they also make oh, books that interpret it. Um, yes, but yeah, it's really neat. My friend Hannah, uh, does it too. It's just great. But I do like this version of tarot card rating. That's like your horse is going to kill
1: you i know me too me too specific um um but uh, yeah also like to be a fortune teller and to give bad news is such a bold you you kind of think you want to give them good news so they'll pay you more
0: yeah or like if you give bad news and then say like so you need to he- pay me so that i can put some sort of protective spell on you
1: oh good point but yeah, yeah I,
0: it, I, this just seemed like a straightforward like you're gonna die
1: She's like, hi, how are you? Oh, my God, your horse is going to kill you. I'm so sorry.
0: Okay, so I have Square. I have Venmo. I don't do cash app. <laughs> um, yeah, that's scary. Uh, we've Okay, so I'll read just from the um, notes in the back of the book. Yes. Bess, um, this story is based on an old European legend. The Swiss folklorist hmm. Max Luthi, that's a U with an umlaut, named it Oleg's <laughs> Death for the ruler Oleg, who lived almost two thousand years ago in what today is Russia? He is said to have died as John Nicholas did in our story, bitten by a poisonous snake hiding in the remains of a horse he feared. Oh! The legend contains many themes that are frequently found in folk literature. What seems weak may be strong. What seems impossible may be possible. The greatest danger we face is from ourselves.
1: I love that appendix. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Oh, this—it's funny. There is something very Swiss about this story to me. Which is sort of like direct, no frills. Yeah. Like, we're not leaning into ghosts and ghoulies here. It's just like, you made a mistake and now you have to live with it. <laughs> yeah. Death comes for us all.
0: Life is a painful result of what you have done. Um, also, it's <laughs> it, this is in the same section as Such Things Happen, um, The Dead Hand, and also Harold. Uh, Harold. And then also the wolf oh, girl. Oh, yeah, rural. Crazy. Rural horror. Oh, wait, no, wolf girl uh, is its that's own thing. To say. Rural horror. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I just love this story. It also, it's got horses in it, which is like, what's not to love? I think I also was charmed by the idea of having a mil- many horses. That just, yes. that worked for me.
1: Yeah, to have a favorite horse, what a what an honor! An honor. You know?
0: Um, I had favorite horses that I would see once a year at 4-H camp, who were all like retired police horses who probably shouldn't have had any sort of weight on their backs. Oh. They were very old. Oh, but God. I made a, a toolbox and drew my favorite horses on it. My favorite horse was named Oliver. Um, wow! And he was a toolbox. Yeah, so my parents still have this haunting toolbox that I never actually painted. Um, I just drew on it with um pencil in like the lightest most cowardly light (laughs) pencil so i think they 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 use it they use it to hold extension cords it's just in my
1: parents basement the idea of a child drawing a cowardly drawing is very funny (laughs) to me just seeing a child draw a sun and being like okay i'll put it on the fridge coward
0: (laughs) asshole (laughs) um should we cast it I'd love to. Who yeah. do we think of as John Nicholas?
1: Well, the obvious choice is to go with like James Cromwell from Babe. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but I think there might be a more interesting choice. I kind of like Hannibal Burris in this role. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like picturing him with a bunch of horses.
0: I think yeah. energy-wise, that's a good match.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I don't know. There's something like I just have – I think uh, Hannibal Burris in a fortune-telling scene, I just like that idea. I think he'd do it well.
0: That's really good. I sort of like Jaime Camille. We use him Ooh. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I just like the idea of watching him pet a horse. So this is sort of a selfish casting for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess realistically it should be someone who's like 20. Because I think that's as old as horses can get. I don't
1: know. I don't know don't at me. Or, uh, d- uh, horse Twitter is going to go Horse Twitter is going to
0: lose its mind. Oh, wait. You know who would be good in this? Uh, what's his name? He's... um. He's a CW star. Oh, Noah Centineo. He's the one who made the, oh. the kooky sort of speech at the Nickelodeon or Kids Choice Awards.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like
0: that. I think he he's spiritual and I can picture him with horses. I can picture yeah. him petting a horse skull. I think that's like his brand is sort of a little bit goth, but sweet.
1: Yeah, put that on your resume, Noah. You can picture <laughs> me petting a horse's skull. Yeah,
0: right next to Valid U.S. Passport and some stage combat unarmed. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be great. Um, um, and what about the fortune teller? Fortune teller, I mean, is Kate Berlant available?
1: I don't oh, know. Sure. I think it
0: would be very good.
1: I. I oh God, she would fit so well into the Scary Stories universe. Yes, I
0: agree. Maybe a Cat Cohen. Um, mm-hmm. It's all very good.
1: Yeah, I always think if um, if Annie Leibovitz did a Vanity Fair spread of the illustrations with celebrities, oh. uh, a good choice for the girl who got stuck to a grave um, would be Kat Cohen or uh, <coughs> Kate Berlant.
0: I agree. Yes.
1: Really good for that.
0: It's hair casting, but it's also vibe casting. Um, I can see them both plunging a knife into the earth. I think that's good casting. Yes, she (laughs) is.
1: Whereas you and I, I think, I think, um, it would be the Oh, Susanna illustration where you would be the baby in a rocking chair and I would be the turnip that is, um, space turnip. Yeah. Space turnip.
0: Oh my God. That's good. And then best the horror. Oh no, no, no. The fortune teller also a good casting would be Elizabeth Hess, our acting teacher.
1: Oh yeah. The mom from Clarissa
0: etc. Mrs. Darling. Mrs. Darling. Um she just she's good she's got good fortune teller arm movements. She does a good job. I see you dying from a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Love her. Very good. Um, yeah. And then the horse, uh, Margo Martindale.
1: Oh, definitely Margo Martindale.
0: Sort of voice yeah. acting.
1: Anna and I last night um, with our respective gentlemen and our friends, Billy and Liz, watched The Rocketeer together.
0: We did. I'd never uh, seen it before. Virtually,
1: Yes. Yeah, which was very fun. And Margo Martindale, very fun cameo as like a 1930s uh, greasy spoon waitress.
0: Very, very good job. Um, yeah. But yeah, oh, good story. This we one's love so this. good.
1: I yeah, I'm I I love the trope of um, revealing information about what's to come in the future and not knowing how to deal with that information. Um, Definitely, it makes it makes me think kind of like about fortune cookies. Like I feel like some fortune cookies you get the vague ones that are like you know be kind and focus, and you're like okay, but then very occasionally you get one that's like. Something is going to happen tomorrow, and you might not like it.
0: <laughs> and it's like, how do you know I was going to eat this now? I could have eaten it
1: tomorrow. Chris got one the other day from a Chinese restaurant we ordered from that said, you are about to go to a big party with lots of people. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes. no.
0: That's and good. Then,
1: and then my friend Jesse, years ago, got a fortune that said, a nice tie is the first step to getting the soup of the day. Oh, No. So that we were like, something got lost. There's, we need to really, someone, someone was falling asleep as they wrote that fortune.
0: That's the first step of maybe a 40 step process in that case. <laughs> first step should be go to the diner. Um. Well, oh boy. Yeah. I got one that said something like, uh, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of your hard work will pay off. Or like, I don't know. It was like, even if you're not seeing progress, keep going. But I threw it out. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about. Maybe we should do an urban legendisode on like, um, uh, horoscopes. That oh, that's good. a
1: great idea. Yeah, that's a really
0: good idea because it really you can't tell. You can't tell.
1: You can't tell.
0: That's the thing. You,
1: yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, horoscopes is a huge topic. Um, my very brief thing that I'll say is I deeply believed in horoscopes for like a month and a half because one time. My friend was like, no, you have to listen to this one lady. She's much better than all the Susan others. Susan Miller? Susan Miller. Yes, Queen. And then she read me this one, and it was like, uh, you're about to be- make a big splash in the fashion world. even though." And I was like, oh, okay, virtually everything I own was from The Gap. I'm wearing exclusively Payless shoes and socks. Um, and socks, which is really the sad. <laughs>
0: Payless socks, yes. Um,
1: and then the next week, Vogue, Vogue contacted me and were like, we want to run with a story you wrote um and then i was like okay so all this is real and then a month later like it just said the complete opposite of anything in my life and i was like oh i was seeing what i wanted to see but i'm still open to it let me know
0: you know what it's all about the the rising sign and the moon sign i don't know don't ask me anymore or or i'll i'll just i'll get scared (laughs) (laughs) anyway wow good Uh, job anyway
1: good job Bess. and this was a really great story for this week
0: thank your ass um. Yeah. Please write in with your um horse stories. Your horse horror mm-hmm. stories. Hoers. horse, horse, horse. <laughs> uh, Andrew, did anything spooky happen to you this week?
1: Uh. Oh. Yes. Okay. So I finished that book, um, The House Next Door, by Anne Rivers Siddons, and very uh, dis- very disturbing. Oh. Yeah. It. it I. It's funny because. As as anyone who might have read it or is going to read it, this isn't a spoiler, um, the evil is like not manifested by like a ghost that you see or a thing, um, which is why I was like, oh, I won't be scared to go to bed. And then I couldn't fall asleep after I finished reading it.
0: No way. Remind me again the, yeah. the themes of this.
1: Okay. So the gist of it is we are in an Atlanta wealthy suburb in the late 1970s. It's all – the the protagonist's name is Colquitt, Colquitt Kennedy. Oh, yes. And yeah, everyone's like very well-to-do. It's vi- the vibe is very um, uh, Desperate Housewives. And there's kind of like a funny tongue-in-cheek thing. And there's this uh, empty space in the neighborhood, this undeveloped land that everyone loved. It was like kind of wild and gorgeous and <clears throat> kids would play in it. And then – Uh, a house is built on it. And it's this beautiful, peculiar, modern house. And every family who moves into the house, something horrible happens to them. And Colquitt begins to suspect that there is something in the house that feeds off all the goodness in people and targets their fears and destroys them in different ways. And, um, And yeah, the last family... It's just like it's just like so shocking and disturbing and and once again, this happened to me two times in reading a horror book, which almost never happens. I actually was like oh, and I had to just put it down. like I just ah, dropped the book because I was like so I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, it's um, as a lot of critics point out now it there are certainly elements of it that are very dated. Um, it is kind of written in the speak of beach books your mom or aunt would read <laughs> um, which I find kind of charming. Uh, and, yeah, Stephen Stephen King says it's, like, one of the best um, haunted house stories of the 20th century. Yes. And I would agree with him. Great. Oh, good. Maybe I'll read
0: that. Um, yeah.
1: What's your spooky thing?
0: My spooky thing is that um, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, I was woken up from a nap by a fiercely foul smell. <gasps> and then I looked down and saw that Lady Bird's big fat ass was in my face. And she... <laughs> Silent farted me awake. Wow. (laughs) It was very funny. I I sort of. Wow. it, It was. And I'm not saying there was no sound. It wasn't like yeah. I was awoken by a sound. I was awoken by a smell.
1: That's if it's in your mouth, that's a nightmare.
0: It is a smell. It was a smell close enough to be a taste. Um.
1: Do dogs know? Do dogs know they fart? Do they understand? Here's my
0: theory. I think they do. But ladybird acts like something t- is touching her butt when she farts. <laughs> so I think she thinks it's because she feels it. Yeah. And I think she thinks it comes from the outside because anytime she farts, she usually gets up and
1: leaves the room. Um, <laughs> Ladybird is a medieval doctor. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. Bodily, bodily things are coming from the outside, from the air into us. We need to
0: let the blood out and the farts in.
1: I could never make a bad thing come from my body. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You're smart. Oh, boy. Well, damn. That's it. Damn. That's it, everybody. Anna, thank you so much for sharing this very uh, spooky story. Thank
0: you, Andrew. And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, If you're listening and you haven't yet, please give us a five-star rating and good review. um, We'd love it. On uh, iTunes or wherever you feel is a good place to to do. Um,
1: Oh, and before we go, can I just say a couple episodes ago, I was trying to figure out someone had written in about what... um, mascot terrified them the most and like i said there were a lot of like burger king king ones but my favorite was someone was just like they just sent a picture of snuggles from the fabric softener commercial you know (sighs) what i'm talking about the bear
0: oh my god yeah the dead-eyed bear good one and it,
1: it and that person is totally correct that is the scariest mascot
0: oh that's so true i remember being scared by that because my brother had a um a snuggle bear in the house.
1: Uh, I didn't like it. No. Dead eyes. Truly and dead it, eyes. It has too many points of articulation. I, I don't think I liked that.
0: Yeah, a bear doesn't need elbows, actually.
1: No. And a bear doesn't need to like nestle its head. I don't know. I just didn't no, like
0: it. We don't like it. It's not working.
1: And on that note, <laughs> get uh, <laughs> Anna, you're such a treat. Andrew. <laughs> oh, no. no, I'm sorry. Get uh, no, hey, no. I'm sorry here. <laughs> get. Get out. Get, get out. <laughs> up, 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 yep. Sorry. Okay, but really, get, get out. out. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.